Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey Sinners, you're listening to Sinful Cuts, the podcast that takes a look at the wild, weird, and wonderful world of horror. We take a deep dive into some of your favorite movies, possibly uncover some hidden gems, sometimes we even get some stinkers. Thank you so much for joining us, we truly love having you here. Please sit back, take a listen, and let's get our scare on. <laughs> Simple Cuts audience, sinners, we got none other than the amazing Eric Hansen from the mm. Cradle of the Grave podcast here with us. Um, you, I, I was going to say something silly, like if you don't know Cradle of the Grave, but of course you all do. <laughs> it's one of, if not the best horror oh, movie man. podcast no, out there. Dude, uh, uh, well, I appreciate that, Sean. Your podcast is also one of the best. I really enjoy it. I reached out to you earlier and went, Han, you're going to be coming on to my podcast cradle to the grave pretty soon but thank you so much for inviting me to come on and chat um with you and shannon whenever shannon does show up i know she's having some technical difficulties <laughs> she's having a little technical difficulties and of course i just made fun of her and teased her and now uh i have the benefit of being remote today but the next time that we're together she's absolutely going to kick my ass so I, I got that to look forward to, but I reached out to Eric because first I just wanted to have you on the podcast because I greatly respect that the work that you do, Thank um, you. especially, yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate have, the kind words. Thank you so much. Well, you know, it's, 
like there are a lot of podcasts out there and there are a lot of good podcasts out there but what i love that you do it's mm. not just the guests that you have you have such varied guests yeah. which makes it incredibly exciting but it's the fact that it it really is you you're the yeah it's, it's, it's true, true man. <laughs> yeah, true. look i don't it's the yeah it's true like that's one thing i was talking earlier to you uh before we hit that record button about how I love chatting about horror movies with cool people. That's all Cradle to the Grave is, man. It's not yeah. – it's an interview show, but it's also chatting with friends show. Like I want Cradle to the Grave to be the coolest party that everybody's invited to, right? And that's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> and, I, and it's – you know, there are some guests that come on that – you know, some some celebrity guests that come on or actors from movies – that, you know, maybe there's little nerves. I get a little nervous. Like, oh, my God, I'm really chatting with um, Duncan Rieger who played Dracula in Monster Squad. I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. And then I'll have the drummer from my old band, Chip, come on. And it's just – it's me and him riffing back and forth. It's so – there's <laughs> – it's a lot of fun. And some of the chats get wacky, man. Most of the chats with me and Chip are wacky and they're goofy. And we barely talk about the movie at all. <laughs> Those are some of my favorite ones, though. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yes. All right. Wait. Well, hold on. We 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 have to. We actually have to give away the recipe. So okay. Okay. So sinners, what Eric does is he uh, he was born in seventy one, and what he's doing is he's doing the top ten. Now his choice, his choice of the top ten picks for the horror movies of that year. So starting from seventy one, and and Eric, if I'm not mistaken, we're up to eighty six, right? Yes. Uh, well, actually, eighty-seven. So, Predator 87. just dropped today. Um, R.I.P. Carl yeah. Weathers. Yeah. Yes, Rip Carl Weathers. Um, but yeah, so it is each year of my life. I go through each year of my life, and I pretty much what I do is I compile a list of horror movies that came out any given year. Now, when I say the top ten horror movies, that is a misnomer because sometimes. <laughs> I get a guest that'll pick a really horrible horror movie, you know, like <laughs> Giant Spider Invasion, which is one of the shittiest films ever, but it made the top 10 list <laughs> because one of my guests picked it. So what I do is I'll take I'll take all the movies that my guests picked and I'll arrange them in best to the worst. And of course, Giant Spider Invasion made number 10. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for the most part it is it's the big hitters from each year, you know, The Exorcist, Jaws, Salem's Lot. But a lot of times, you know, like in 1972, for my number one film, horror film from 1972, was a made-for-TV movie called The Night Stalker, right? And oh, I yeah. love that film. And, you know, it, it topped Deliverance as my favorite. So there's that aspect, you know, it's like, this is what I think are the top movies. <laughs> Even like um, 1976, uh, Assault on Precinct 13 made my number one sure. horror film from that year. Is that a horror film? Maybe. It's horrifying. <laughs> I mean, and I do love a siege movie. So, yeah. hey, you know what, though? We, we created the podcast. We can do whatever the heck we want, right? <laughs> That's right. There's no rules in Cradle to the Grave, which is what, which is what I love to There's say. No crying in horror. That's right, man. And I always tell my guests, just come on and talk about the. I don't care what you talk about. I'm. I just edited an episode today before I came on to talk with you, Sean, um, about Jaws Four. Right, that's coming out oh, next week. And I chatted with Josh Flanagan from iFanboy, 
And it is the funniest, goofiest. We barely talk about Jaws 4, right? We're talking about G.I. Joe. Those are my favorite episodes. (laughs) Those are my favorite episodes that you do. Because the two of you, or sometimes there's even multiple people, and you're like, are we ever going to talk about this? And you're like, I I don't know. Do we have to? I'm just I'm just stoked to be chatting with Josh from my fanboy. You know, it's a lot. There of fun. you go. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, you do a fantastic job. Thank and the you. guests are, are, are incredible. So what we're doing today, the concept for today is we instead of doing a movie, we're actually going to do multiple movies. And the, the linchpin to all of them are going to be uh, Dracula. It's going to be the movies through the ages that feature Dracula. Um, you know, I think. If I'm not mistaken, you're actually going to start with the with the original Universal Bela Lugosi. No. <laughs> good. All right. Good. I like. I, 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 I'm already. We're already going surprised. off the rails, man. It's already off the rails. No. Um, That's what I love. I am going with Nosferatu Symphony of Terror from 1922, which is Perfect. a Dracula movie, even though he's not called Dracula in the film. He's called Count Orlok. No, you're right. But. You know the history of Nosferatu, right, Sean? I mean, yeah. you know the story behind that, that it was actually, uh, you know, an adaptation of Bram Stoker's novel. They didn't get the rights. So thankfully, all, all the film got burned, right? They destroyed all the copies of Nosferatu, except for one, one dude hit a copy away or something, and they found it years later. Like, holy shit, it's Nosferatu from 1922, and thank God – that somebody had the presence of mind to save that because what a film it uh i don't know if you watched nosferatu recently but i haven't seen it in ages but it leaves an impression that's for damn sure here's the way i recommend watching nosferatu you watch it at night you turn off all the lights and hopefully it's a stormy night right and it's windy outside and you put your cell phone away you you actually bury your cell phone in the ground so no, you're not, you're not, don't be distracted okay circle it with garlic <laughs> you turn off all the lights and and you have a copy of Nosferatu without any music score right don't watch with the music score and don't watch a colorized version of it just watch the original and it will scare you. I guarantee you. There are moments in Nosferatu that is generally creepy. Some of the creepiest things ever captured on on celluloid. Um, the scene where Harker is in Dracula's castle and Nosferatu is at the end of the hall and the camera kind of zooms in on him and you got little Nosferatu standing there all creepy looking. Dude. <laughs> You're gonna get chills. You're gonna you're gonna get creeped out. So that's the way to watch Nosferatu. <laughs> I love I love the suggestion. I think you're absolutely right, especially with a movie like a uh, uh, a movie that old. But what they did with the visuals and how they found someone like Max Shrek, mm. who possibly I mean I know Shadow of the Vampire basically accuses him of being a real life vampire, <laughs> right. but he's Which damn I love. close. <laughs> Yeah, you know. I love that. I love that legend. That's who who wouldn't want that type of legend for their movie? You know, like, this guy was actually a vampire. <laughs> like, well, I got to see that. <laughs> a lot of night shoots. Yeah. <laughs> and now, of course, we got uh, who is it? Robert Eggers is yes. doing Nosferatu this oh, year, which man. could be a banger, you know? Robert Eggers is the perfect dude to pull this off. Yeah, I think he's I think it's going to he's going to pull it off. I got high hopes for it. So, yeah, can't wait for that. Can't wait. 
perfect. So what we're going to do, we, we're going to start early. We're going to start with the early Draculas and we'll take it through the decades and then we'll take it all the way up to uh, to present day. So you started with Nosferatu. I'm actually going to I'm going to jump a little bit, just a little okay. bit, because, of course, you know, we've got um I'm going to go to 1945s. Oh, okay. I, I, I told you I, I was going to do Billy the Kid versus Dracula, and yeah. I did watch it, but it's it's so god-awful. <laughs> I really I couldn't I hang in there. I was like, all right, dude, you do you. <laughs> I, I bit off a little more than I can chew on that one. It is a, it's a tough hang, Eric. It really is. Oh, uh, and the copy, man. I mean, the, the copy that I had that, that that I was able to find on streaming, it's like wash, watching the movie through a dirty car window as you're in the middle of a car wash. It's so bad. But, you know, you've and got I, Carradine. I love John Carradine, but he makes a really horrible Dracula. He does. His, dra- his Dracula is more like a, a kid's magician. He just gives off that appearance. <laughs> I, I'm... I'm sure I'm sure that somebody could have done something with him because he does have like a very gaunt skeletal appearance yeah. but he plays the damn he no one ever made him up. You didn't get a Dick P, uh, 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 uh Dick Smith or a Jack Pierce involved to try and, you know, throw some latex no. on him and do, or do something. So he really does come off like a children the kids children's Absolutely. magician. But so the movie I picked was House of Dracula from 45. So okay. it's a universal release and they're trying to, you know, capitalize on the, you know, at this point during the mid forties, they're doing like the monster mashups. I mean, this is basically mm-hmm. like the Avengers of monsters for them. Totally. Back then. totally. They've got, uh, you know, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman really, you know, it, it, it makes a buck. Universal is like, all right, we're just going to ride this thing off into the sunset. So they do House Frankenstein which um, features Karloff as like the mad scientist and you've got Carradine as, uh, as Dracula and you've got Long Chaney uh, uh, Jr. involved there as the Wolfman. And it's, it's a perfectly fine film. They, they kind of, they make all the pieces work and Karloff actually gets to really chew a lot of scenery and he's very, very good in the movie as the mad scientist. But at the end of it, you basically killed off all the monsters and then universal, you know, they kind of like all look at each other and they're like, we painted ourselves into a corner. What are we going to do? So someone raises their hand and said, let's make house of Dracula. Well, why are we going to bring all these monsters back? And they're like, who gives a shit? Long Cheney literally just matter? walks in the door. <laughs> he gets shot. He gets shot the last movie and he just shows up in the next one. And they're like, you know what we'll do? We'll put a little Vincent Price mustache on him. No one's going to ask a question. And you know what? No one does. So you've got yeah. – the reason I love House of Dracula is because you have um, – you basically have like a – it's almost like a hospital for monsters. Mm. Frankenstein is frozen in the caves beneath the hospital. No one even knows he's there until half the movie has gone. Lon Chaney Jr. shows up uh, to get a cure for his, you know, his lycanthropy. Doesn't want to be a werewolf anymore. Right. I get that. <laughs> Count Dracula shows up. You get uh, Carradine shows up once again. Again, you know, vanquished in the in the previous film. What I love about these movies, they're like, just don't worry about it. No one's going to care, and no one did. And as a kid, when I saw these movies, I didn't care either. You know, absolutely. Bring back all the monsters. It doesn't have to make sense. 
And you know what's cool? You saw these films in the seventies, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this and was made in theater, 19, it was theaters. made in nineteen forty five. All the decades later, they're still bringing in kids into the horror genre. It did me, yeah. you know, watching yeah. watching these old universal horror films as a kid on the uh, you know <clears throat> chiller theater on Saturday mornings. That was the best, man. And these films hold up. They're still fun to watch. I agree, man. House of Dracula is awesome. Um, I I really love Frankenstein versus uh, Wolfman. I, Me too. That's, that's, my, that's my, probably my favorite of all the Universal. Besides, you know, the original Dracula and Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. But then I'm going... I'm going Frankenstein and Wolfman. I don't mean to go off on the Frankenstein tangent real quick, but no, please have at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just think that is such an atmospheric gothic film. I love the beginning of the film with the uh, in the graveyard with the grave robbers, and it is a direct sequel to the Wolfman because there, mm-hmm. there's Larry Talbot in his tomb, and the grave robbers are coming in, and they try to steal that ring, right? And then Talbot wakes up. They're like, ah, it's cool. And then, you know, then you get the awesome ending in the castle. And it's it's really, it says, you know, Frankenstein versus Wolfman, but they don't meet until like the last minute of the film. <laughs> they finally the meet. I was like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yes, yes. So no, good pick, man. I'm glad you went with House of Dracula and not Billy the Kid, man. You redeemed yourself. Billy the Kid. Oh, I, sinners, if you're out there and you really want to torture yourself, I mean, it's look, it's it, it, it's a stitch over about an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 20 minutes. Have at it. I mean, I guess it's clever because uh, Billy, well, all right, spoilers for a movie that's, Spoiler, I don't know, 107 man. years old. But Billy the Kid puts little crosses, makes little crosses in his bullets, and that's how he, that's how he gets Dracula. So that was clever. Mm. But man, the hang until you get to that part. Woo, that was a tough one. You won't even know this is happening because I'm going to edit everything out, but we're back now and we have Shannon. I'm going to tell him. (laughs) Yeah, no, come on, Eric. Totally crashed, man. man. (laughs) Podcastle sucks. (laughs) Yeah, podcastle, you mother effers. Uh, You're taking my $15 every month and laughing at me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the great thing is that we have Shannon. Uh, Shannon's yes, here now. Shannon, so- yeah. Yay! All right. Yeah. So where where are we? Are we still in the forties, fifties area? A little jumping around a little bit. Okay. okay. Started in nineteen twenty-two with Nosferatu, and then Sean went to nineteen forty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did awesome, Dracula. You got, so Shannon? I did. Um, what's what we call it 1948 Abbott and Costello meet mm. Frankenstein. Uh-huh, so yes. I purpose I so I picked that one because I it, when I was doing my research I was actually very surprised to find out that Bella Lugosi only played Dracula twice. So the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein was his second and final reprisal of the Dracula character. So even though it wasn't really centered around him, he was still a very big part of that film. And it was also important on uh, the Abbott and Costello franchise because that, you know, it's kind of like started to dwindle a little bit by this point, um, but, you know, personal issues mm-hmm. going on or whatever. And then this revived the franchise of Abbott and Costello. And this was the first of the, the meat monsters uh, uh, regime, if you will. 
So, um, and 1940s, whatever comedy, it is still fucking just funny to this week. day. It's great. Yeah, I know I'm jumping to Abbott and Costello, but just to let you know, it's still fucking fun. I was laughing my ass off. No, it's great. And that's an awesome pick. I have that as my 1940s <laughs> pick. So Wait, you kind of stole shit. my thunder, Shannon, but that's cool. I'll allow it. I think I think Abbott and Costello, I was talking, you know, I was telling Sean before you hopped on, Shannon, that these old Universal movies from the 40s, uh, brought a lot of kids in that grew up in the 70s like me and sean um and i remember watching abbott and costello and loving it to death like when i was a kid because it, it had the comedy but also it played the monsters straight like the monsters aren't there for laughs they are there to kill abbott yeah. and costello right <laughs> and it's scary like i remember being you know oh dracula was scary you know so yeah, man. And it, I was talking to, I chatted on Cradle to the Grave, my own podcast, shameless plug. Um, I was chatting with Duncan Rieger for who played Dracula in Monster Squad. You ever see Monster I Squad? I love Monster <laughs> Squad. <laughs> of course you saw Monster so, so Squad. Eric, just to let you know, Eric, uh, I'm a I, lot I, older I chatted than I look. With, oh, go ahead. <laughs> just to let you know, I'm a lot older than I look. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't going to say anything, but no. Um, uh, yes, I chatted with Duncan and I, I made the comparison with um, Monster Squad from 87 to Abbott and Costello from 48, because again, Monster Squad is a comedy, but the monsters yeah. are played straight and it's scary yes. and, you know, the kids are in danger. And so perfect pick Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I, I feel like that movie in particular is responsible for getting so many kids into horror and really creating a generation of monster kids, especially during the 70s. Because that movie, that movie was on constantly, you know? Now, wait, Eric, you're on the West Coast, right? You grew up in California and still live in California? And Shannon and I, of course, oh, Sacramento, very nice. And we're we're on Long Island on the East Coast. What did you have? Because we had Chiller Theater and we had uh, Creature Feature yeah, and Chiller all, Theater. Those were all- yeah. Every state had their own chiller theater. They were usually called chiller theater or creature features. I we had creature features out here on Channel Two, hosted by a guy named um, I want to say it's like Bob Smith or man, I forget his name, but he had like the cigar and he had really Buddy Holly glasses and he was super cool. And they had a <laughs> I had this scary intro. I remember as a kid, I'd stay up late to watch it, um, and it had a uh, uh, the scene from Blackula with the nurse or the taxi driver who got turned into a vampire running down the hallway in slow motion always freaked me out uh, yeah. so yeah yeah i love all i loved watching chiller theater yeah. or creature always features man. yeah we all had them yeah thank god we had that back in the day i absolutely love it all right so yes. we've got we have one round of dracula's done let's go into <laughs> let's go into eric's next pick what have you got for us all right so we would be remiss if we didn't backtrack a little bit and talk about Dracula from 1931, right? The Godfather. Right? Yeah. Maybe Nosferatu is a Godfather, but it was really Dracula from 1931 that firmly cemented uh, the Dracula that we know and love today, right? We trace it all back to Bela yeah. Lugosi. Uh, when you, when you ask somebody to, 
do a Dracula impersonation, guess what impersonation they're doing? <laughs> they're doing yeah. Bela Lugosi, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? They're not doing Gary Oldman. No. Yeah. You know, they're not doing Frank Langella. They're doing Bela Lugosi. And that's for a reason because he owned that role. He was born to play Dracula. He had he already had that accent. Like he, that was just the way he talked, right? And so he got cast. I think he did uh, the play on Broadway first, yeah. yeah. And they then they did the film. And I love the 1931 film. Some people say it might be a little too stagey. It kind of looks like they just transported the the Broadway play to you know the cinema because there's not a lot of movement of the camera. What's that's that? how it was though back then like they were they were still figuring they it's were still true. figuring out cinema so it literally was a play <clears throat> for sure <laughs> on the screen yeah. that's how it was but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you, you know you cannot deny Lugosi's presence in that film it's it's a phenomenal performance and it has some really cool scenes like when um when Harker gets to Dracula's castle in the beginning and meets Dracula, that set that they built is gorgeous, stunning. It's stunning. It's gorgeous. And I I will say that Lugosi then goes on. I mean, he, he was like a heartthrob, you know, he, he Mm. scared a generation and everyone loved Dracula, but women adored him. Like he was, he was a, he was like a sex symbol there for a for while sure. at least and they for just sure. couldn't get enough of uh he they couldn't get enough of dracula that might have yeah. been a bit of a curse for him maybe i was gonna say know, there was a, yeah you know he got pigeonholed of course at, as the horror guy and he never was really t- able to break out of that and then of course you know we know the history with the ghosty you know his addiction yeah. issues and it kind of was a sad ending if you watch the film ed wood um kind of covers that later part of his life. Ed Wood's a really good film too. Johnny Depp. Yeah. Love <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> and uh I guess was Bela Lugosi really buried in his Dracula cape? Was that just a legend? He was. Yeah. Oh I, I I'm always gonna go with the legend. I hope he <laughs> <You> was. got to <laughs> I think I, really I think do. it's like the only one that has like a brown po- lining, not a red lining as opposed to popular belief oh. because uh red wouldn't show up in black and white um it would it would just look, mm. it would look all black. Oh, okay there was that no contrast sense. to it so it was yeah, actually yeah. brown that's what makes it um the the different cape fyi <laughs> you guys might know this story you guys might know the story a little bit better than than i do but there is one cool story but just like the camaraderie between the horror icons you had uh gosh I forget what movie it was, but you had uh, Basil Rathbone and Boris Karloff and Lugosi, and they were all shooting a film. And Rathbone and, and Karloff were getting good pay, and they're basically paying Lugosi scale. And mm. I mean, he was—he just had the poor guy just had financial troubles just forever. And uh, Karloff and and Basil Rathbone find out about it, and they're like, "Nah, man, you know what? We're gonna walk off if you don't pay him what you're paying us." Forget it. Mm. We're we're out of here. So they coughed up the money and they paid Lugosi what everybody else was making, which I thought was, uh, you know, sometimes you hear a lot of the stories about nobody got along and this one was jealous of this one. But I think that's uh, I I think this is proof that they actually did really respect each other and they had each other's back, which when you hear stories like that, it makes you feel good. Yeah, Mm. Yeah. 
Uh, here's a question okay. for you. Have you seen sure. the Spanish version of Dracula? It's filmed at the same I time. No. A lot of no, people and on the same set, right? Same set, um, same year. Uh, they just filmed at night. Different cast, of course. But um, yeah, like I said, a lot of people prefer the Spanish version because it does have a little flashier camera moves. Um, but the guy who plays Dracula in the Spanish does not hold a candle to Bell Lugosi. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> you got to go with Lugosi. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. I definitely have to check out the Spanish version. I have heard that too. Yeah. It's it's good, but not, it's not as good as the original. I think the set, the original set. In my uh, opinion. (laughs) I think the original set was recycled for a lot of films around that time. The the going and bleeding into the forties as well because of how um, magnificent it was. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Makes sense. I'm going to fast forward a, a, a stitch here. I'm going to bring us to 1960 for our next one. And I'm actually going to do, I'm going to do Brides of Dracula. I watch, I rewatch it this week. Hmm. So this one doesn't have, um, this one doesn't have Christopher Lee who controversial opinion might be my favorite Dracula. I really love Lee. I, I mean, agree. He's my favorite. Yeah. He's just, I mean, he has, he damn near, he almost has no lines in any Dracula movie. I have a theory. I have a theory on why it's our favorite, but go ahead. Okay, so but this one, this one doesn't have have Lee. It's actually it's got it's got a little bit of a problematic Aryan vampire. This guy looks like one of the Von Trapp kids, but you know, he, he does. He does, he, he does a good job. He, he he does a good job, but the the film itself. So you got uh you know you got Cushing in it as Van Helsing which really grounds the movie. But this is directed by Terrence Fisher. Now, Terrence yeah. Fisher, uh, he was just like a mainstay in the Hammer production, uh, you know, the machinery. He banged out uh, Curse Frankenstein, Horror Dracula, The Mummy, uh, Curse of the Werewolf. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? He's got, he, he, he's got uh, Oliver Reed boozing up all night long, and then he's got to put him in werewolf makeup. Oh my God. He should have gotten the Medal of Valor. (laughs) (laughs) They definitely didn't pay Terrence Fisher enough for that movie. I'll go on record saying that right now. He did Phantom of the Opera with Herbert Lom, which happens to be one of my favorite uh, Phantom of the Operas. The Gorgon, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, uh, Frankenstein created woman and Frankenstein and the monster from hell. So this guy was just like the go-to for Hammer. Um, the, this movie is poss- it's one of my favorite vampire movies, one of my favorite Dracula movies, even though it doesn't really have a very dynamic Dracula because it's just so gorgeous to look at. It's right in that prime wheelhouse, 1960, where Hammer was just – everything was saturated in that gorgeous color and the cinematography is great. I mean I wrote the guy down, Jack Asher um, was the cinematographer – what he does in this movie with just the camera movements and 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 you know the the shots that he that he constructs it makes the film so watchable and so interesting and then you just let you know you let Cushing loose and he does his thing and it was the first when i was watching as a kid on either chiller or creature feature and Cushing gets bit and i'm like i didn't wait a minute time out <laughs> he, like, he can't what? get bit <laughs> this this is 
bullshit. You know, I lost my banana. And then, of course, you know, he does like, you know, uh, he soaks it in holy water and then uses a, a yeah, branding a cool iron scene, and cauterizes cool it. It's so goddamn cool and it's so watchable. And then how they, they kill Dracula at the end by he jumps on the, the windmill and he and he basically does this gigantic crucifix shadow. And Dracula, the only weak part is Dracula just kind of like lays down, you know? And that's that's the <laughs> end of the movie. <laughs> but it also it also has these um, you know, look, I, I'm a kid and maybe I'm starting out in puberty and learning things about my body and not to make this <laughs> podcast super awkward but then you're watching these movies and they had this just litany of gorgeous hammer horror women and just one after the next you're like i these hammer, women don't hammer live on my sex. block hammer brought right? the sex into the yeah. into the horror they did. God, thank God I learned <laughs> something, I guess. Maybe. You know? <laughs> so now that I've made the podcast incredibly weird and awkward, who, who's got the next pick, Shannon? <laughs> so I so I'm gonna jump to nineteen seventy-four, and that's Dan Curtis's Dracula. Um, which it's now known as for the mm. most part, it has it was known as bram stoker's dracula um that has been commercially been removed i don't know exactly when that happened but i picked this movie because technically this was the first one to introduce the um the well the alternate story if you will of dracula as a sympathetic character he was never there was never like a, a love interest he was never vlad the impaler i think it was insinuated that he was a descendant of uh of him but okay. he was never actually him and he never had a love interest reincarnated so this was the first movie that went wait shannon this is the one with um jack, jack Palance, Palance, right Palance? here tomato tomato Palance. tomato tomato <laughs> <laughs> um but yes yeah, so, so jack his family will reach out <laughs> Yeah. But Jack, uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was Palance. How dare you mispronounce his name? I know. <laughs> so sorry. Um, I mispronounce a lot of names. So yeah. <laughs> but um, right. but yeah, Me he too. was he was so he was known um, to be the villain in a lot of westerns back then. Um, so mm. I guess, yeah. So he, uh, you know, he did uh, okay. It was it's one of those movies where I think this was kind of popular, but this was so overly done it was always a lot of pan outs and then you would zoom in <laughs> to like that happened in every scene. You can make a drinking game out of it and be shit based <laughs> halfway <laughs> through the movie. <laughs> I, I love Dracula's death and Dan Curtis's Dracula. I love how Dracula gets it. Like get speared, yeah. Yeah, 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 and he's like stuck to the table, yeah. and then they just leave. Like, then goodbye, <laughs> they just leave. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like okay, let's let's go yeah. have a beer. <laughs> you kill Dracula, way to go! High five. <laughs> now, now this is interesting though, because you get that's Dan Curtis's Dracula, and then we talked about Dan Curtis was responsible for Darren McGavin, mm-hmm. the Night Stalker, yes. the Dracula we love. Oh. One more thing. Okay. The lady raising her hand with the red hair. I also yes, forgot you. to mention too that this one, the screenplay was written by Richard Matheson, who is known for I Am Legend. 
Oh, yeah. damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah Richard Madison. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's fantastic. That. Some of the best Twilight Zone episodes mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's my story about uh, about Dan Curtis. Dan Curtis turns out to, he could he could be a little cantankerous. So yeah. he uh, he was uh, – Darren McGavin had a lot of success with the Night Stalker. And, of course, then they launched the series, and Darren McGavin's one rule, one steadfast rule was, I will do the Night Stalker, but Dan Curtis cannot be involved in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. And, then, and they, they're like, okay, don't, don't worry about it. And then he went on to, to do the series. But, yeah, just a, just a terror on set, I heard. And uh, that made me love Darren McGavin that much more because he just didn't like the way that Dan Curtis treated people. So he was like, nah, this guy can't be on. He can't be part gotcha. of it. Yeah. 
that horror of Dracula is what made me a horror fan. Christopher Lee is my favorite Dracula because he was my first Dracula. Now, I said there was a theory I had because of that. It's usually your first introduction to something is going to be your favorite, even if there were better versions later. Like, And I made the comparison before of like my first Cure album was Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss okay. Me, right? right? Now, is it their best album? I don't think so. I think Disintegration probably is their best album. But Kiss Me is my favorite because it was my first introduction into The Cure. It'll always hold a special place in my heart. So that's my number one Cure album. There you go. There's my theory. (laughs) You nailed it, though. You're so right. Shannon and I I talk about this all the time, how there there could possibly be better better decades than the 80s for horror, but that's where we cut our teeth. And that's – it's also like – you know, it's the perfect cross-section of when you're young enough – and you're open to just like you just you don't have the you don't have the weight of responsibility so you could really just let yourself go and just soak these movies up and just devour them just you know and that it was the VHS culture and that you're watching movies with friends so it all ties together like the nostalgia of that community experience and the friendship and then horrors like interwoven in all of that and it just makes for a just a perfect it's just perfect experience. You know, when you look back on it, you're like, yeah, those were the best times, you know, watching those movies in a, in someone's basement or living room and just geeking out to it and just having the best time yeah. ever. Absolutely. Like you can't help but now, like, uh, Sean, like we were talking not that long ago about like all the remakes that are happening, um, especially with like the like the, the 80s legends, if you will, um, you know, the Freddy, the, the Jasons, the Michaels, whatever. And all the remakes that I feel like this generation is getting now it like it just yeah it it like just doesn't compare it's like oh, i i feel sorry for you that this is your first experience <laughs> it's like <laughs> i know yeah. you know i don't know i know just, just saying <laughs> no. uh, yeah, I know, but they can also go on their phone and get dates in five minutes, and it took me <laughs> eleven years to do that. So, fuck That's them. All right, <laughs> give me something. I'll I'll take the stupid horror experience. All Man, right? I, I can't imagine if I had Tinder in my twenties. Oh, it would be. No, forget no, it. I, forget I, it. I, I don't know. <laughs> It's a it's a good thing we had the experiences we had when they had them because we're all here right now we're all safe yeah, and it's all good yeah, you know sure. this is true this is true very true so Eric I absolutely I agree with that hundred percent yeah Lee is my guy because he was the one that I saw first and man he just came into that room and his six foot four frame and you're like oh my mm. what's happening here <laughs> yeah, you know it's a presence. Yeah. oh god yeah absolutely with, yeah. all right so. I'm going to, I'll take us forward. I'll take us forward just a stitch and let's go to Toby Hooper's, uh, uh, Salem's lot. Now, Eric, Mm. I'm with you here. I kind of bent the rules a little bit. Wait a second. (laughs) It's Nosferatu. It's no Dracula. It's no, no. All right, I'll challenge you. Challenge. I'll, I'll challenge you. You're oh, out of order. Well, this whole <laughs> podcast is out of order. Hold on, I'll be right back. I'm just gonna get popped. <laughs> <laughs> this look. 
I know that I'm playing fast and loose with the rules here, but the master is a Nosferatu, and we have established that Nosferatu could possibly be the original Dracula. So I am, I mean, I'm bending the damn rules until they, they're just snapping in my hands, but okay. I don't think I could do a vampire podcast where we're talking about the best vampire movies and the good Draculas without mentioning Salem's Lot. And I wanted to go to bat for Toby Hooper because I feel like we talk about Salem's Lot and we talk about super groovy David Soul and we talk about James Mason and they all deserve praise. But I feel like Toby Hooper gets passed over time and time again. That mm. miniseries, not only was it so popular, so successful – critically acclaimed everybody loved it except for the fact that cbs put the first episode on monday night and the second on fucking thursday so you had to you, you were like i think i might i, I might die <laughs> how am i going to get through the week i think this is the third time <laughs> you brought that up <laughs> you're not i haven't gotten look i try and unpack it i try and unpack it in therapy over and over again my therapist doesn't want to hear it anymore still so i'm over it I got to share it with you guys. But uh, that movie, that movie did for uh, vampires like in the in the suburbs. I grew up in the suburbs and I was like, wait a minute. So Danny Glick could come and scratch on my window and there's not a damn thing I can do about it. And that movie, I mean, it still leaves an impression on me, you know, decades later it's so scary. It's so simple, you know, just like uh, Jeffrey Lewis in the rocking chair, just slowly going back and forth with those glowing red eyes mm. and nothing, nothing's jumping out at you. There's no, there's really no jump scares. Like in, in that scene, there's nothing that is just launching at you in the frame, but it's so creepy and it's so subtly done, but it, you close your eyes now and you can picture it and it haunts you. It literally haunts you. So a little shout out to Salem's Lot, even though I am no, definitely I'm, cheating I'm on this. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad you brought Salem's Lot because Horror Dracula might be my favorite Dracula movie, but Salem's Lot is my favorite vampire Ooh. movie. Now, Good man. And you mentioned Jeffrey Lewis in your your speech there about Salem's Lot. <laughs> <laughs> so... So also, uh, I wrote a novel called Death Machine. I don't know if you can see that. So, and, well, we're going to put the link in the damn in the show notes. You can count on yeah. that. <laughs> now, this is a shameless plug, but also it does have something to do with Sam's lot. So, in the novel, it's about a, a 13 year old kid growing up in um, Northern California. That sounds familiar, huh? Uh, yeah. Which is basically me. And there's a there's a chapter I devote to Sam's lot about I, uh, the character has a sleepover. And they're watching Salem's Lot on TV, and that Jeffrey Lewis scene comes on with the rocking Ooh. chair, and uh, I, which I think is the scariest moment of that of that miniseries. Right? Now, the most iconic, of course, is little Danny Glick scratching, uh, Rafi Glick scratching at the window. Iconic, totally scary. I get it, but it's that Jeffrey Lewis scene that is absolutely terrifying and the way oh, toby man. hooper films it you're right toby doesn't get enough praise uh he just it's it's a masterwork of of horror and i mean toby did texas chainsaw right 
the guy's a master. Mm-hmm. So yes, I'm I'm glad you brought Sam's lot up. Um, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> After all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right so thank you sir for allowing it i am going to do two things we're definitely putting the link on for for death machine and oh, we, for sure at the end at the end of the episode let us know what you what you have on the horizon but yeah i, I suck at my job so i i should have said that you're an, an author and you you wrote an incredible novel but you know i'm, I'm not only am i garbage at my job but i can't even follow the old rules that i created for my dracula (laughs) podcast all right there's the last thing i'll say about about toby hooper and then we can move on toby toby hooper systematically ruined the safe spaces in your life as a child you have the master uh intrudes on the, the the safest spot in your house which was the kitchen you know, in that scene where he ba- he kills the parents, and then James mm-hmm. Mason challenges Father Callahan, so he's ruined the kitchen for you. <laughs> I grew up in, like I said, I grew up in the suburbs, and we were always cutting through the woods. He fucking ruined the woods for me because now yeah. you're like, well, well we're Thanks, easily going to die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he he ruined. What else did he ruin? He got uh, oh, shit. he ruined your bedroom because Danny Glick could could then come in if you were dumb enough to open it up. I mean, he just he really just ruined the suburbs collectively and i love him for it i absolutely love him for it so you know yes. more toby hooper love there all right i'll get off my my hooper soapbox now shannon what have okay, you got so i want to jump way ahead <laughs> so this one might be kind of random but i no, don't worry the timelines time whatever so this is a directorial debut 2014 dracula untold Oh, all right. Um, Luke Evans, right? So this was directed by Gary Shore. Again, this is his directorial debut. Um, And for the most part, I think it's a solid film. I get it. It's definitely modernized. Um, It's definitely some moments, especially um, one certain fight scene. It's definitely Hollywoodified, if you will. Um, But I really like the story. I liked how he, uh, because again, like I picked uh, the 1974 version of Dan Curtis. Dan Curtis created the uh, idea of Dracula being a sympathetic character. Um, so I liked how this story just kind of took that, um, you know, cause Francis Ford Coppola kind of did it obviously the same fashion. Um, he just kind of flipped around some of the characters, but, uh, but this, I like this version where he took this story and wanted to, uh, um, he wanted to explore Vlad the Impaler as a man and why and or how he became Dracula. And I, I just thought that the, it's a, it's a solid story, honestly. And, um, and I'm also very jealous that this version, he can just burst into a, a group of bats and fly away. Cause I really want that superpower. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. I want it. I had never seen, I've never seen Dracula Untold. It's solid. Like I said, it's, 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 yeah. it's a good story. Um, you know, not a perfect film in any way. I'll, I'll support you there, Shannon. It's not bad. It's not bad. I think I think it's a product of of the studio. They made a PG thirteen. They basically, you know, they really they defanged it. See what I did there? Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they was it. this supposed to be? Was this supposed to be part of the uh, new MonsterVerse that was like with the Mummy, Tom Cruise Mummy, and was that I don't part think of that? So. I don't. 
no. I think it might it might be a little bit before was, that. Around the same time, but they but definitely had plans was... of. I think they had plans of doing something. Mm. They leave it open to a sequel. I know that because they bring it into modern times in the last like five yeah. minutes, right? Yeah. I'm just gonna right. be. I'm gonna be honest, man. I, I have problems with any Dracula movie after 2000. Like I just. There's not a lot of good ones. No, there's not. I, I there's know, not. Man. That's I, I that's am not well versed in in Dracula films. <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah. No, there, there's really not a lot to pick from. Um, but that's why I think I honed in on this one because out of all of them, again, it, it's not a perfect film, but it's it's good for especially for a directorial debut, um, for Shore's first mm-hmm. movie ever. I you know I think it it was it was a good it was you know it was good. It's a good cable watch. Yeah. It's a good cable watch. I'll check it out. Yeah. I'll check yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely more about the story and um uh it's it's not so much like the horror elements, honestly. Yeah. So mm, that's yeah. you know, but yeah. I figured cool. nobody would All right. that one. So. Eric, you're up next, and if it's the movie that I think you're gonna talk about, <laughs> I'm gonna get real, real excited. So what have you got? <laughs> Unlike you two, I go in chronological order, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm now in the 70s. Um, and I am going to go with uh, Dracula from 1979, directed Hell by yeah. John Badham, starring Frank Langella, who also played Dracula in the Broadway play uh, much like the 1931 Dracula, um, this was a Broadway play in the 70s. Frank Langella was Dracula. Um, he has a great stage presence. He's sexy. He's got the hair. And so oh, they're like, boy, we, need to make, we need to make a film of this, this version of Dracula. So they did. And I like it. I, I don't love it, but I like it. And I like I like the look of the film. It brings back the whole the gothic kind of vibe from the Universal films, right? Yeah. Um, 1979 was a big year for vampire films. You had Salem's Lot. You had Love at First Bite with George Hamilton, right? You had Dracula with Franklin Langella. So Dracula was everywhere in 1979. Big Dracula uh, and, year, yeah. <laughs> and um, like I said, Frank Langella is a he he commands this film. You cannot take your eyes off of him. He is a sexy Dracula. I have now I have problems with sexy vampires. <laughs> I do. I don't like sexy vampires. I don't want vampirism to be a fun thing. I don't mm-hmm. want it to be sexy. I want it to be scary, horrible, and you know, like these people are damned to hell. They're not out having dates sparkling that's not what i want right (laughs) but you cannot you cannot deny langella's performance he i would let him bite me i would he walked into a room like god damn right here frank (laughs) (laughs) guilty Uh, i'm with you eric i'm like and uh it has a great score by john williams fabulous score cinematography i like there's two versions you could watch. You can ha- you can watch the washed out version where the color has been drained from the film. I like that because it kind of harkens back to the black and white movies. Yeah. Or they 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 um redid it with the color put back in. It's been remastered. It's it's a gorgeous film. 
But um, so there's two different, you know, films you can watch, versions you can watch. Um, uh, yeah, Dracula 1979. It's always great. Every time I pop it on, I'm like, man, I like this film. This is a cool film. So that's my it's pick. Solid on the seven. I like it. Yeah. That, that Dracula film was so good. It's so good. I was so excited because you put when we were, we were we were DMing each other. You you said you were going to talk about it, so I backed off. But I watched it this week, and I watched the I watched the desaturated version because okay. I had never seen that. And I remember going to see this movie in '79. Mm-hmm. I went with with uh, my mom and dad, and when they um when uh, uh, Lawrence Olivier and Donald Pleasance uh, uh, dig up, see, they they did one thing. They flip flop Mina and Lucy. So it, all all Dracula movies yeah. do that. They change names for some weird reason. Confusing to me. So they go <laughs> after. I think it's Lucy. And she's she there's there's mines that have been dug all underneath the the town, mm-hmm. and she's in the mine shaft, and the reveal of her, uh, and and it's heartbreaking because you got uh, Lawrence Olivier's Van Helsing, and it's his daughter, yeah. and she, and and he drops his crucifix, and he's looking for it in, in a puddle in this mine shaft, and then you can see her in the reflection, and then it you know he looks up, and you can see he's horrified, and then they show her, and they did this little film effect where they make like little tiny flickering, almost like flickering red like uh, rubies for eyes and it's mm. so effective and it yeah. scared the shit out of me in 79 it, it damn near ruined my summer i mean i had sleepless nights because of this endlessly i couldn't tell my parents because then they weren't going to take me to horror movies anymore <laughs> but I no for yeah. sure man that's that's the best scene in the film that catacomb so scary. scene yeah Here's my only problem. Now, Eric, you tell me. Tell me if you agree or disagree. My only problem mm. with the film is that it starts out bananas. You have you start on the on the Demeter, and it's almost like uh, you know they're trying they're trying to fuck this coffin over the side, but it gets caught, and this werewolf arm comes up and literally, I mean, you see it rip the throat out of a sailor. So this is in the first three minutes of the film, and you're like. <laughs> is someone reading my dream journal? What is going on here? This is the best thing I've ever seen. And it just kind of ramps up and ramps up and ramps up because then you go to the um, the sanitarium with Donald Pleasance and everyone's loose and everyone's screaming. And it's just this like heightened atmosphere. Then you have um, uh, Lucy uh, discovers Dracula on the, in the cave on the beach. And it just like, it just on roller skates for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And then Franklin Jella, the introduction of Franklin Jella. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, guys, they must've had to film this damn intro 200 times. Cause he does this thing with his cape where he takes it off and like swooshes it around <laughs> and throws it into the waiting, um, like the manservant's arms without looking. And it's so cool. And you're, and you're immediately like, fuck everybody in this movie. I want to be Dracula and I mm. want to be with Dracula. And the best thing that the movie does is that before um, Kate Nelligan even gets bit, she's looking at Jonathan Harker, who is kind of like this, like kind of douchey playboy. And then she looks at Dracula and she's like, the vampire. Okay, whatever. I'm going, I'm going with this guy. I'm going with Dracula. Yep. <laughs> and then fast forward to the end of the movie. She's quote unquote saved. But Dracula's cape kind of flutters off into the distance. It doesn't sink. It flies off, and she mm-hmm. gets this wry little smile on her face. And you're like, oh, no, she's totally still Team Dracula. You know, and I just <laughs> yeah, kind of loved it. That even though they killed hey, Dracula what, at the end. Once you go Drac, you can't go back. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> it's true. It's I true. Mean, you can't. You can't go back to Jonathan Harker in oh, that. Oh man, I thought. I, what about the laser light sex scene? In <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe we didn't even bring that up. All right, man. so wait, Shannon, have you seen that's this movie? That's great seventies right there. <laughs> oh, okay, you yeah, gotta right. watch it. Picture. All right, picture disco roller skating <laughs> in the seventies okay. with smoke and lights. And now inject a vampire sex scene, and then <laughs> well, I'm not done yet. Then superimpose a bat <laughs> flying fly ah. on screen. It, it, it's an acid trip. It you gotta like a watch great it. Time. You just have to watch it. <laughs> but like, it's awesome. you know, we're we, we're talking about the movie, but just the the like the the care and the professional craftsmanship that went into this he got gilbert taylor was a cinematographer he only did a little movie called star wars flash gordon he worked with hitchcock <laughs> on frenzy he did the omen you know he worked with polanski on uh, Macbeth. then you got wd richter wrote the screenplay he did the invasion of the body snatchers big trouble in little china uh, uh buckaroo bonsai like they were just they were insanely talented people that that did this movie and the sets are gorgeous man i mean it's just yeah yeah really like i like the film <laughs> but yeah. the the I, i'm gonna roll this into my next pick mm. because i feel like the thing that dracula in 79 failed to do was <clears throat> was maintain that first 20 minutes where it's just like crazy 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 because once dracula comes in um, and swooshes his cape off. Then you kind of go into a chamber piece. Like it, then it kind of settles into what the play was. Oh my God. All right, Eric, I got to tell you this. Cause John Lang and his maybe go back to therapy to unpack <laughs> so many things. So we spoke to him last week and I told him the story, how we went and saw the, the play Dracula. Cause we we're here in New York with Franklin Jella. And it was incredible. I overheard my mom talking to, we went as, you know, with, family friends it was a whole group of us she's talking to the other moms about how sexy frank langella is I'm, i made the huge mistake of telling john lang in this and he's like you know your dad had a dracula cape in the closet in the closet <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like maybe john but we don't need to talk about it on the podcast you know that's, that's awesome man <laughs> you're gonna you know, well you'll hear it on tuesday if you listen to the episode because oh, of course no, i had to right. leave it in <laughs> He's, yeah, he, he's messed That's up rad. my childhood. Something terrible. But uh, so this, the Dracula seventy nine. It really, it, it like it sets his tone, and then it kind of like planes out. And there are definitely moments like the, you know, the um, uh, beneath the the in the mine shaft beneath the cemetery, and even the end, like on the ship when they when they do kill Dracula. They're very cool moments throughout. There's a really cool scene between Van Helsing and Franklin Jella, uh, where they have this, you know, I know what you are and you know what I am mm-hmm. scene in the '79 movie, which I I'd never seen before. Like they actually have a little bit of a confrontation, and it's very cool. Like it's very self-contained, but it's very cool. But my next movie is Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, Coppola's Dracula from 92, because mm-hmm. I feel like Coppola took the blueprint of the Stoker novel, but also that Batam film. And he was like, OK, Batam, like he sets this crazy pace and this crazy tone. 
and then he kind of like levels off. What if I set that crazy pace and crazy tone and I never <laughs> ever settle off and it just keeps going off the chart? And that's Coppola's Dracula. It just yeah. progressively gets crazier as yeah. it goes along. And I love it yeah. for that. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula uh, is my pick from the 90s. And it, to me, it's really like the last great Dracula movie. Um, hmm. I think it's high time that a new Dracula movie comes out. Somebody has got to remake Dracula because yeah, we got to go back to 92 for the last great Dracula <laughs> movie. But no, Stoker's, yeah, yeah, Francis Coppola, this movie is beautiful, right? It is yep. stunning to look at. He's using all practical effects and camera tricks, stuff that could have been done back in 1931. So um, the only drawback is, you know, of course, the casting. Would I have cast yeah. Keanu Reeves and Jonathan Harker? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody asked me. Francis, you should have asked me before you cast Keanu. I would have said no. But he did. <laughs> and, we, and we have to live with it. We live with it. Yeah, I we know. do. We do. It is what it is. We love Keanu. I love Keanu Reeves. He's, you're good with it? You're good with Keanu, I, I'm, Shannon? I'm forgiven. Yeah. I'm okay with it. <laughs> right. No, that's, that's that's big of you. You have forgiven Francis. I need to forgive Francis too. I really do. Um, we do. We not. all have to collectively let it go. I tell you though, we when we had Andy Davidson and when he's on Cradle to the Grave, you got to mm. brace him on this. He is. What did he say, Shannon? He's he he's uh, a, Keanu a Keanu Reeves apologist. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask him. Yeah, he's, he's coming Which on was the a controversial master with me. Yeah. I yeah. can't wait for that. I, know. I, I cannot yeah. wait to see what Andy Davison has to say about Puppet Master. I am thrilled to hear this episode. <laughs> I can't wait either. <laughs> All right. Hold on, Eric. I, I got to ask you one question because I always – Shannon already knows my answer to this. Okay. You have um, you have Sadie Frost is playing uh, Lucy and you've got Winona Ryder is playing Mina. What if you flip-flop those? In the mm. role, because Sadie Frost is so dynamic and mm. and so magnetic, and um, you know she plays a great Lucy, and she has an incredible death scene. But I yeah. always wonder, boy, oh boy, I don't know that Winona Ryder could have even possibly pulled off that the Lucy role, but it would have been interesting to see. But man, I'm telling you, Sadie Frost could have, she really could have done something. I, um, I, I like that flip flop. Yeah. I'm down I with that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like to see that. I like Renona yeah. Ryder, but again, you know, it's just it's Renona, right? It's just yeah. like when you see Keanu, it's Keanu, right? Yeah. They're not the greatest actors, great, great celebrities, right? Yeah, fun movies that they've been in, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a casting thing with with ninety two Dracula. That to be to be the fair, one, it's the one yeah. mark I have to put against it. To be fair, though, I don't know if they were ready at the time for a time period piece. Like, is, is it right? Because, like, the, mm. they really have never done them ever again. So, like, a lot. It's not It's not what they're known for. I feel like there's a lot of people that just, they get into a time period piece, and they, like, you believe them that they actually went back in time to pull off this role. And I just think they're, those are two people um, that just, it, it, it's not for them. Really, um, they did the best they could, I think, yeah. under Coppola's uh, no, for sure. you know, direction. But 
that's that's what I think the the issue is, honestly. And even with that, all that said, you do have Gary Oldman as Dracula, and he is astonishing. That kills yeah. it as Dracula. Yeah. And is this the first time that they've tied in the legend of Vlad the Impaler to Dracula? Or was that from Dan Curtis? To, did, did Dan well, Curtis Dracula So there's do a that? lot of people who are big Dracula fans that go, you know, because Francis Ford Coppola, I'm sure, said, like, you know, a Dracula like you've never seen, you know, visually, sure. But the story... Uh, is straight up from Dan Curtis's. Um, and again, actually, it was flipped. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan Curtis's love interest was Lucy, um, not not hmm. Nina or Minna, okay. as they called her. Um, that so that so that's like the big thing that they actually. So technically, Sean, you do have your flip. It's just not in this movie. <laughs> gotcha yeah so but they're saying but a lot of people say like oh this like this is a reenactment of dan curtis's version back in the 70s so there's a lot you know some people are like um, okay all right that's interesting yeah but all right shannon you're up you you got anything for present day or no the the, i did that was the dracula untold was was mine you told me to pick three okay (laughs) I know. I always like to set you up for traps <laughs> and then spring, <laughs> spring these on. <laughs> I I just have Eric. We'll fin- we'll, we'll finish with you. I just have one okay. that I'll do, I'll give a, a little shout out. It was an entertaining film, um, which was the Last Voyage of the Demeter. Yeah, uh, that came was out cool. in twenty twenty three. Yeah, Universal. I mean, you know, you basically had one variation of Dracula, which is like this bat creature, which is very cool. Um, you know, and I love, I, 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 I love a, um, we know what the problem is. We're kind of at the mercy of, of our situation. We're in the middle of the sea. Let's all band together. And you know, it's, I mean, you, you know, they're doomed cause you know the story, but I love a movie like that. I love a siege movie and I love a ticking clock, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thought they, I thought they did a pretty good job to make an entertaining film i don't know that where it really falls in with dracula movies or if it even like you know falls in with dracula movies but it was it was a it was okay it was a pretty good watch yeah i i like how they took a really tiny chapter from the novel and made a whole movie out Mm -hmm. of it so i thought that was cool I like yeah. that they only use uh, mostly practical effects. I think they CG'd the wings on Dracula, but it, that was a actual – that was a guy in that suit yeah. who played Dracula. And it was scary. Again, it was kind of like a Nosferatu type of Dracula, like, you know, like mm-hmm. creature. So that was cool. I, I liked I liked the movie. Yeah. And you got to respect a movie. And sorry, sinners, we're going to spoil this. This one's pretty recent, but we're going to spoil it. So cover your ears if you don't want it spoiled. <laughs> you got to respect a movie that's going to kill a kid. I mean, oh, yeah. not only do they kill a kid, they kill a kid fucking twice. <laughs> you know? You're not, you're not expecting it. And they do. No, you're really, cause you're, yeah, you're waiting like, Oh, how are they going to save them? They do not. All oh. right, Eric, you got, you, you got cleanup. You're batting cleanup. Do you have anything right. for the present day? I got three Ooh. for you. Yeah. All right. My man. <laughs> okay. Here we go. From the eighties, we got monster squad, 1987. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I chatted with Duncan Rieger, who played Dracula in the film. I think this is a continuation of the Lugosi characterization of Dracula. He 
like he took the baton from Lugosi and he ran with it. He continued the classic Dracula look, right? He had the dinner suit, the cape with the red lining, the medallion or whatever he's wearing around his neck. That, again, solidified the look of Dracula for a new generation of horror fans. Monster Squad, 87, watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then I'm going – Modern day, like I said, I had problems with a lot of Dracula movies from the 2000s. You know, Van Helsing. Oh, I don't know. If I, can. uh, no. I can't pick Van Helsing. I can't do it. But what no. I can pick, I can pick Dracula Season 1. It's a Netflix series. It came out in 2021. Boom. Uh, yeah, that was cool. It was a, like a new retelling of Dracula from a different point of view. Um, the, the, the guy who plays Dracula in the series, I'm not the biggest fan but he's cool i also like spoilers how at the end they bring him into modern day uh, yeah. i really like that how he was like uh, trapped in the ocean um so dracula season one watch it very cool and then my third Myers, final... right that's that's the one no or... no no shannon this no. is um this is a bbc production oh got it got it okay okay yeah, I don't know the actor's name, um, but there's a, a an actress who plays the nun Abigail. She's awesome in She's this so in the series. Okay. I love, I love the, her look and the way she talks. She has a really cool way of talking. Like just yeah, like her accent's awesome. So it's very cool. Um, and then my final film from 2023 Renfield with Nicolas Cage oh, as yeah. Dracula. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Was it worth um, it? A fun movie. Yeah, it's okay. fun. It's uh it's a goofy film. Of course, Nicolas Cage, he's a goofy actor, but he's a fun actor and I like the, his look of Dracula. He hams it up as Nicolas Cage does, right? That's his job is to That's ham true. it up. That's why we want. That's why we bring Nicolas Cage into our movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it, it's a cool film. It's definitely worth watching. So, um, yeah. And then Last Voyage of Demeter. It's that's like, like you said. That's a really cool Dracula movie. And that's pretty much brings us up to modern day until Robert Eggers comes out with Nosferatu mm-hmm. this year, and uh, hopefully sticks the landing with that film because I can't wait. A lot of high hopes for uh, that but one. But man, like I said, it's high time that. It's high time yeah. that somebody out there does another adaptation of Stoker's novel. We, we need a new Dracula movie, a straightforward Dracula I movie. Agree. Somebody I do agree. practical oh, yeah. effects, great sets. Th- you know, just yeah, have yeah. a crack at it. Go back to I'm like with the you. horror. I'm with you on that. All right, Eric, I'm going to put you on the spot. Shannon, yes. we're going to trap. We're going to trap Eric now because then this, the, you know. We could use his own words against him. <laughs> when Nosfer- when Nosferatu comes out, when Eggers Nosferatu comes out, will you join us? Will you join us a week after, and the three of us will 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 have yeah, at man. it. I would Night. like nothing more than to come back to Sinful Cuts and chat about Nosferatu from nineteen twenty four. Or not twenty twenty four. That's not until the end of the year, though. We're getting you back way before that, but I want to oh, lock yeah, man, you anytime, in for those. Anytime. Yeah, this is a blast, man. So thank you so much for having me on.
we're not, you can't escape yet. I know the clock's ticking. We got to let you go in a minute, but we wanted to ask you, we got three questions, quick questions for you. Okay. The first Lay one, we do our silly questions at the end. The first one is, um, give us, what's your scariest horror experience? Could be a movie, could be like, you know, you and your friends go check out the neighborhood haunted house, whatever it is. What's the scariest experience you've ever had? Oh man, I'm going back to Salem's lot. You know, like I said All before, right. um, as as a kid, I watch. My parents wouldn't let me watch the miniseries when it came out in '79. Um, I think they knew this was it was too much. You know, it. I uh, yeah, but I snuck watched it somehow. I got my hands on it <laughs> and um, grounded, and I lost so much sleep. I lost so much sleep from that film. Many terrifying nights in bed with the covers pulled up over my neck because that's how you keep Dracula from getting you and vampires. You to pull, they can't get your neck when you got the cover over it. Everyone knows right? that. Everyone and knows that. <laughs> I would say Salem's Lot uh, is probably the most terrifying thing that I've watched. And I've been chasing that high nice. ever since. Yeah, same. That's a that's a great great pick. All right, Shannon, uh, how about right, number two? So the second uh, the second question is, uh, what is a trash movie that you love? Like everyone thinks it's trash, but you'll defend it to the death. Mm. Well, let me think. Oh man, does it have to be a horror movie? No, or can it be no, any, no, no, any movie. Any movie. <laughs> Oh man, I wish I would have known beforehand so I could come up with a, a quick answer. But let me rack my brain. A trash movie. Do you want to hear Andy <sighs> Davison's answer? <laughs> oh wait, I got one. Okay. I got All right, one. Let's <laughs> okay. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it Dracula centric. Okay. okay? Since oh, this is a Dracula podcast chat that we're talking, about. I'm gonna go. Um, Andy Warhol's Dracula from 1974, also, okay. known as, also known as Blood for Dracula. I don't know if you've seen. I don't know if you've seen it, but it stars Udo Kier as Dracula, and it is the most disturbing, kooky, trashy film that you'll ever see. And if you haven't seen it, watch it. Blood for okay. Dracula. It's out. It just came out on Blu-ray, a new version. It looks gorgeous. It's actually a really well shot film, but it is trashy as hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and you know what? It's cool. Udo Kier is magnificent as this very sympathetic Dracula. He plays it like a little lost puppy dog because he needs virgin blood, right? He want he needs virgin blood. And there's no virgins where he lives. So he's like, and we need to go find virgins. <laughs> so <laughs> So him and his buddy, him and his buddy, his assistant, they travel to this place where this aristocrat has three young daughters who supposedly are virgins. They're not. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Dracula thinks they're virgins, so he sucks on their blood, and then he gets sick when he drinks a non-virgin woman's blood. It's awesome. Check it out. Totally trash. There you go. All right, that's, that's a good one. one. That's good. And then we we got one last one, and, that, and then we'll let you go. Shannon, the last one, please. All right. What is your best and or worst book-to-film adaptation that you either love or and or hate? You could So you could have two answers if you want. Okay. 
I, I got one. <laughs> and I think it, I think it's going to be both, actually. It's okay. going to be the worst, worst and the, the best. I'm going to go with Stephen King's The Shining, right? So I think Kubrick's adaptation is fucking brilliant. I love what he does with that film. He takes the basic premise of The Shining, right? And he made it his own. He he the framework is there, right? The over the hotel. Jack Torrance going crazy, trying to kill his family, the haunt, the haunting and all that stuff. Um so I think I think Kubrick's adaptation is great. I know Stephen King doesn't like it, mm-hmm. but I like it. I think it's cool. But then in 1997, Mick Garris adapted The Shining, and it's not that good. <laughs> it's a, it was, he, he did a mini series. He did a mini series yeah. for like ABC or something in '97, and uh, he and I like Mick Garris. I think he's he's a competent director. He made some fun mm-hmm. films, but the problem is he had Stephen King write the screenplay, and they follow the novel to the T, and yes. you can't do that with with novels i think and you can't have the author adapt his own novel because you need to get away with you need to cut out some of the fat of a novel because it's a different medium you know a novel and a film are two different things and they don't always mesh right they don't always translate well and that's the problem with garris's adaptation of the shining he follows it too closely it it meanders and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So I like there, it. There Solid. Nice. Solid answer. <laughs> yeah. And that's no and that's no shame on or, or against Mick Garris. I think I think he's a cool dude. I like his podcast. I just think that um, that that adaption was was misguided. Um, but it might yeah. have been like a revenge no, project, honestly, is possibly. You're probably yeah. right. I think it was King's Revenge. It that much. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. So. so now, Eric, before we let you split, we just wanted to give you ample time to – well, first off, sinners, if you're not listening to Cradle of the Grave, which we know you are, you have to listen to this podcast. It <laughs> is without a doubt one of, if not the best out there. If you're into horror, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not listening to Cradle of the Grave. I, I – eagerly anticipate the next episode and the great thing about eric is that they come i mean they come pretty fast and furious so you're never waiting long man they do i don't take any time (laughs) off man i i need to i don't know Um, how you do it (laughs) clone yourself (laughs) anything else you'd like to promote though before we let you split Uh, well like you said uh cradle to the grave you know if you just go to the google and you type in Cradle to the Grave podcast, it's going to pop up. It's on Spotify. It's on uh, all the all the Apple podcasts and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of different guests come on from different walks of life. It, it's always a blast to chat with my guests. It's, one of, it's why I do it. It's why I spend so much time doing it. It's I love horror. But you know what? I love talking with awesome people about horror. And so that's what Cradle to the Grave is all about. It's like, like I said, Sean, to you earlier, it's like, the coolest party that everybody's invited to just come and hang out with us, man. You know, have a good time. That's exactly how it feels. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. There's that. Uh, You mentioned my novel death machine. If you go to Amazon, you can order a copy death machine by Eric Hansen, or you can uh, email me and I will send you a personalized copy. Cause I got a bunch of my garage. (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, so there's that. And I am currently working on my second novel, which is a vampire novel. Nice. Uh, and hopefully that comes out next year. But man, it's hard to make time to write these days. I'm always doing Zooms. You're a busy man. You're a busy, busy man. We greatly appreciate your time today. This was a Uh, blast. I knew it was going to be a blast, but this exceeded my expectation. This was was just such a Sorry for the rough start. (laughs) Oh, man. Enjoy Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, man, we'll be in touch soon because we're having you back. (laughs) Absolutely. Anytime. Just let me know. You got it. Take care. All right. Bye, guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.